all the engineering teams know that we don't want security to be a blocker. We're not putting ourselves on the critical path. We want to work with them, not against them, and that has definitely helped us maintain that good security culture. It's a help me help you situation, and it's so far worked really well, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. If you want to level up security, especially on the AppSec side, stay in development as much as possible. I think when you get to the infrastructure world, you get to a point where you're like, I, just, I want to start breaking things. Hi, I'm Guy Pajarni, CEO and co-founder of Sneak. And you're listening to The Secure Developer, a podcast about security for developers, covering security tools and practices you can and should adopt into your development workflow. It is a part of the Secure Developer community. Check out thesecuredeveloper.com for great talks and content about developer security and to ask questions and share your knowledge. The Secure Developer is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Secure Developer. Thanks for tuning back in. Today we have Sarah Danik from Envision. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So, Sarah, before we, we dig in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is it that you do and how you got into, into the world of security? Sure. So, I do application security at Envision, and it's definitely evolved throughout my career. I started off as a classic ASP developer, and that's definitely dating myself. <laughs> uh, from there, I went into web engineering, and I think when you get to the infrastructure world, you get to a point where you're like, I, I want to start breaking things. Yep. So that's how I it's came an into AppSec. Kind of an impulse there, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all kind of within Envision, or is that in a different, uh, different companies, big, small? No, right out of college, I went to a small design firm, which might use Envision now as a tool. <laughs> From there, I went to a large insurance company, got into web engineering there, and to, into security. And when I came to Envision, I've been on the AppSec team the whole time. Uh, I was actually the first security hire. For oh. the company, uh, outside people? of the VP. How many people were roughly in the company at the time? Uh, I was employee number 150. 150, okay. And we're over 800 now. Yeah, wow, that's a good size company. So, yeah, so when I got to Envision, I did pretty much everything. You know, customer questionnaires, yeah. you know, talking to the customers about our security. Didn't do so much on the um, DevSecOps side, because we have our own S- uh, DevOps team there. We do have a security DevOps team now, but yeah, so now I'm focused more on AppSec again. Got it. Okay, so let's indeed sort of dig into those. I mean, this sounds like a journey, and it's interesting. It's always interesting to grow with a company, you know, as the, uh, you know, you sort of had one one person show uh, uh, earlier on. How does indeed then the team look like right now? You know, like roughly how many people do sort of security on the team, and, and how is it divvied up? So I think we're about 15 people now, and it's split up amongst a compliance team, uh, the DevSecOps team, and AppSec. So I think compliance, I understand, you know, it's sort of its own run. What's the difference between the DevSecOps team and, and AppSec? You know? So the DevSecOps definitely focuses more on the infrastructure side and not so much the application side. They handle our web app firewall, hardening any images that we might need, and basically just do anything that you would think a regular DevOps team would do, but very security focused. Okay, interesting. But sort of more, more sort of infrastructure oriented. Yep. Um, and and the AppSec side. AppSec side does any kind of testing within our actual application, uh, mainly our customer application. We do security reviews. We manage tooling such as 
um, dynamic scanning, source code analysis. Uh, we build our own tools to do some like linting and, and other things like that. And we are the main team that interacts with the engineers in order to make our code more secure. And how, uh, how often or how easy is it to maintain that split? I mean, as as kind of a lot of software becomes, you know, software defined, you know, and, and maybe, you know, there's some Terraform script or some, you know, Helm chart or whatever it is on, on some repository, does it come up at all, this division of responsibility, like engineers dealing with something that is infra and that's suddenly sort of the DevSecOps team or, or does the split work fairly smoothly? Uh, for us, it works very smoothly. Um, all the roles are defined and... Engineering doesn't really come to AppSec for any of that stuff. Even the WAF, they all know to go to the DevSecOps team. Mm -hmm. We call it Security SRE. So for us, it hasn't been an issue. Interesting. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's a really, like, I love the model because it's, you know, it, it reflects. You know, I, I generally really like like DevOps analogies you know, as we uh, as we dig in. So let's let's sort of you know sort of dig deeper into uh, into your neck of the woods here with uh, with AppSec. You know, we we talked before about how you know how you as as an application security team work with engineering. Can you can you describe that a little bit? You know, how how do you engage with the engineering teams? Uh, one thing that we implemented recently was we have an AppSec person kind of aligned with all of our engineering teams, especially the ones that do development. We have roughly 40 different teams that do development because we do microservices, so teams are split up specifically for a specific function okay. to provide code on one part of the app. Mm -hmm. And what that's really helped us with is communicating openly with the engineering organization as a whole. So for instance, I attend stand-ups almost every day. I try to hit two a week because some of them do overlap on time. <laughs> but I attend stand-ups for the team so I know what's going on and I actually participate in the stand-up with them. And also I'll take time if there's any projects that we're working on, any kind of functionality we might roll out in terms of that might affect them. Uh, I make sure to give them a heads up as soon as possible so they're never going to be surprised by it. And you know, it, it really helps us not be a hated team because security sometimes seen as the so the naysayer, not necessarily right. uh, the we one don't you want to call to the party. Yeah. So it's helped it's really helped us in terms of opening the line of communication and getting a better relationship. Envision is a very strange company in that security isn't thought of as an after the fact. If we tell a team that there's a vulnerability, we don't get pushed back. We don't get told, oh, that's gonna take you know, three months to fix. Depending on what it is, especially if it's like a critical or high, it's fixed the next day, if hmm. not that same day. It's amazing. Even on a low, we don't get any pushback. Any pushback at all? Right. Well, first of all, amazing. You know, great job. <laughs> you know, I feel uh, you know, and, and definitely probably one that you've had. You know, as as uh, as kind of an early uh, <laughs> security person in the uh, in the company, kind of had a, a kind of good success, I guess, building that up. How do you? You know, like I guess I'm still on the sort of the the alignment bit. Although now I'm super intrigued by this, uh, <laughs> you know, achievement uh, of uh, of getting people involved. So if we go back to this alignment, I mean, how do you deviate up? So you know, you're aligned with a bunch of of these groups, right? And you work with them. You attend their stand ups. So you're pretty embedded, I guess, inside the. Uh, the relevant engineering teams that you align to. Do you aim for a certain ratio, or like how do you decide how to maintain that over time? 
So what we do is, is there's four of us, not including our manager, and we've split it for the most part evenly, but it is also based on position. So if you're like a higher title, you'll be responsible for just a few more mm-hmm. uh, teams. You might have more capacity. Right. So we, we do it that way. But on average, everyone has you know, somewhere around 10 teams, which is working out well for us. And it's divvied up by our engineering org kind of has zones for different functionality types mm-hmm. of the application. So each AppSec person might have a large part of a particular zone and all the teams under that zone. So that's one easy way to split yeah, it up. To map it. Okay, so I, I get it. So that you know that makes a lot of sense. So you basically align with the way that the teams are are split in the first place. You know, in the uh, yep. uh, in the development organization, and you map with them. And it's not. I guess Envision is a very distributed company. So this isn't about you know co-locating with the teams. You know, the relationship is still virtual. I guess as uh, as is the relationship between all employees in Envision. Yeah, we are a one hundred percent remote. Organization. Right. We have no offices. If we do have an office space, it's in a WeWork. So yeah. I think with us, you know, using Slack and every meeting is a video call over Zoom, you don't really feel disconnected from the rest of your organization because you still see people on Zoom. For instance, you know, if we have an offsite and I see someone on my team that I've never met in person, but I'm good friends with them at work. You know, I'll run for them, give them a bear hug when I first see them, yeah. and it's just you know it's a very different company than most in that we have no ego, we don't hire people who have egos, and we're a big family. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of Envision. You know, as a as a company, as a culture, definitely sort of one that I. Uh, uh, look up to, but you've just sort of given me another <laughs> another reason to like uh, Envision in in this. Um, Sort of security mindfulness, if you will, or uh, or awareness. Let's sort of you know dig into it's kind of this wonder. So how how do you maintain that? You know how do you celebrate successes? What do you find helps you keep that approach up? You know, do you encounter at all pushbacks from developers, or is, or is it literally just hey we've built the culture and now it just kind of runs itself around people responding and thinking about security problems as we go. Only time we've really had pushback is if you know there's a very tight deadline and they'll say, "Well, can we put it off to like a couple sprints from now?" And that's pretty much the only pushback, quote unquote, that we'll get. But even still, no one will fight us on making any changes, really. And I think we've been able to maintain that as we've grown through good hiring, and we make sure that all the engineering teams know that we don't want security to be a blocker. We're not putting ourselves in the critical path. We want to work with them, not against them. And that has definitely helped us maintain that good security culture where you know, they know that we're not out to get them. So it's a help me help you yeah. situation. And it's, it's so far worked really well and I don't see it changing anytime soon. So how um, let's sort of understand a little bit the relationship of uh, of who does what you know as as you talk about you know either the DevSecOps team or the AppSec team uh, and the engineering teams who implements you know security solutions or sort of runs them or you know I don't know deals with with the vulnerability outputs are these things operated by the security teams they operated by Dev how do you decide those for the most part anything security related will be done by the security team. There are some instances where 
teams have said that you know they want to have GitHub integrations that have a security impact. So they'll do that on their own, mm-hmm. which is great that they you know want to take, initiative, take yeah. that initiative. And we do have engineering teams come up to us and say, "Oh, hey, I found this in our code. We're going to fix this. We're just letting you know as an FYI." And do you have like a standard way of sort of celebrating that or acknowledging or? We want to make T-shirts and and <laughs> give out T-shirts. So, for instance, T-shirt I have today on the back of it just says Rockstar, <laughs> and uh, we would love to be able to do that and and give that to them. But another thing that we do as a company is uh, something called Bonusly, where it's you give peer dollars to each other mm-hmm. for a job well done. So, probably the main way and the, certainly the easiest way for us to do that would be to give a person give Bonusly, a bonusly if yeah. they. If they tell us something, or if they, you know, we do that even if someone gives like a really good talk during like an architecture office hours or something like that, it's celebrated in in that the organizer will be like, hey, so and so did a great job. You shoot them some bonusly, and yeah. and it really encourages people to get keep staying involved and strive to help the organization get better. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you know, in, in in most companies, generally, you try to get developers to care, you know, about uh, about security. When you're in a really good place, you know, like uh, like you are, you know, you almost need to be careful not to overly rotate on the sort of cognitive dissonance side, right? You know, if you start compensating or or overly rewarding for it, people might start thinking about this as a as an exterior motivation, you know, for uh, for doing the good job. You know, well, right now it sounds like they're addressing it as something more internal, more intrinsic to. Uh, to uh, to building kind of good quality software. Yeah, they've asked us if we would have an internal bug bounty program for finding and fixing issues, and mm-hmm. and we keep pushing back against that because yeah. we don't want them to purposely write bad code to help their friends out to get money. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're holding off on that. I think that'd be a little overkill. I think that's wise, you know. And I've I've actually <laughs> heard it's not the first time I hear that, you know. But but people, you know, consider it's like okay, you can't you can't report vulnerabilities from inside when you're the one who might be writing them. Right. I mean, there definitely have to be some rules around, like some guidelines around yeah. it. But I don't think that's anything that we'll we'll implement anytime soon. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about a few practices that you have, you know, given this uh, this reality or sort of you know tight relationship with uh, with Dev. How do you uh, how do you handle sort of security training in the organization? So we do have specific modules that developers have to take, you know, for compliance purposes. Actually, our OKR. It's funny that you mentioned this because we didn't talk about this beforehand. But our our OKR this quarter is to essentially start from scratch, and the AppSec team is going to write. The training documents, you know, so hmm. specifically tailored towards our environment, and it's aligned with ASVS points. So we're gonna we're, we're starting from scratch and really tailoring it because one thing is the technologies that we use don't have a lot of documentation, especially around security. So it's been a pain point of ours, which has led us to focus on creating this all this documentation this quarter. Yeah, and it makes sense. I think I said aligns with how you described it before as well. On you know the security team as a as an enabler and kind of helping developers do their job. You know this is one that you'll do. I guess if you write it from scratch or not, it's a modern tech is is hard. You know sometimes uh, sometimes you have to do more <laughs> if the ecosystem hasn't caught up. Yeah, it's definitely nice because we've been asking the engineering org for feedback and what they want to see documented, so we can really focus on what they think that they need help on and. and where they might be having more issues, 
So it's definitely going to be, I think, good for us overall. Have you encountered any cases where there was a bit of a conflict between the need of security and the need of dev, maybe even because of this relationship? So, you know, cases where you know you you wanted maybe to introduce a specific solution, you know, and and there was too much dev friction, so you had to almost give up on the security side, or has it ever come up as a challenge, you know, matching up the sort of the priorities on the security side and on the dev side? Not really. I think the most pushback we've gotten is if we're trying to roll out a new tool and, you know, it would possibly impact the engineering teams. What we've been pretty good at doing is getting them involved in the POC so they can give us feedback on that. Mm-hmm. And there have been a couple tools that we were very close to signing with and then we got the engineers involved and they're like, no, please yeah, don't. I'm not going to do this, yeah. So that's probably the most we've gotten real pushback on. Like I said, admission is just strange in that we don't get the pushback typically. That's wonderful. Right. <laughs> like AppSec-wise, there hasn't really been pushback, but I think there's been pushback on like the DevSecOps side, you know, security SRE side, with turning off or enabling certain features and not being able to do that quite yet. So that probably would be the biggest pushback. It'd be mainly configuration changes to perhaps specific tools or the environment itself. So I think the, our SRE side has probably had more pushback than AppSec. Yeah, oh, interesting. So that's uh, it's more but because they apply constraints, and those constraints might be a little frowned upon, but they might be necessary. Yeah, and I don't even say frowned upon. It's it's more it's understood that these things need to change. But it just might take some time to get there. Got it. To sort of build the right sort of secure configurations or frameworks to to allow developers to to tweak and, and modify and use those those technologies or those uh, those configurations without compromising security. Right. Okay. Interesting. And how is is that DevSecOps group also aligned like you are on the AppSec side? They're not. They're. I mean, they'd be more aligned with the platform engineering teams, but I don't think they have a one to one like we do. Because we're even aligned to a degree with the platform engineering teams as well and performing reviews for any code that might touch production or handles you know, the build platform. So we still need to look at all of that as well. Got it. First of all, you know, Sarah, this is this is excellent, you know, and I think uh, you know uh, all the power to you for sort of being in the in the state and you know and uh, and getting to this great relationship. I think you know for all all us commoners, you know, <laughs> if you have uh, if you have sort of some good tips, uh, you know, if you if you're sort of talking to a team that is looking to level up the security foo, right, whether it's on the dev side or the security side, what would be sort of you know one tip you have, or maybe like a pet peeve of something you see people doing wrong. That you would share to sort of help, you know, just move up the the journey of uh, doing security better. One tip I would have uh, is something I'm working on myself, where I've been out of development for so long. Um, if you want to level up security, especially on the AppSec side, stay in development as much as possible. Because mm. if you need to do code reviews, it certainly helps if you are still in the mindset of regularly reading code. You know, everyone on our team is really developer first and security second. You know, obviously strong security, but we yeah. need to be in the code. So that's one thing that we do for our security reviews is we actually do full code reviews. So I think that's the biggest thing that many security folks may not think about, especially if you come from like the sysadmin side. Yeah, is you need to be able to get into the code and truly help the developers and show them a specific line. Like on this line, you need to do this. 
Yeah, no, that's that's really good advice. You know, it's a it's it's just a very relevant skill. You have to understand the the material. You know, like the thing that you're reviewing. So, I think that's sound advice, and I think one that hopefully more and more security teams are are getting, uh, but still, you know, need to uh, need to keep improving on. Well, Sarah, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thanks everybody for tuning in. And I hope you join us for the next one. That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to come on as a guest on this show or get involved in this community, find us at thesecuredeveloper.com or on Twitter at thesecuredev. Visit heavybit.com to find additional episodes, full transcriptions, and other great podcasts. See you next time.